We're so thankful for our community of supporters that makes Justice Special possible. This season of Justice Special is brought to you by Kids Crossing, a private foster care agency created by foster parents for foster parents. So Rachel, I've mentioned before on our podcast what an amazing support our home coordinator, Nicole Barnett, has been to my family on our foster care journey. Yes, tell us a little bit more. What does that look like for you all? Well, Nicole and I actually got the chance to sit down and chat about her role. So I'll let you hear from Nicole herself. So my role as a home coordinator, it can be so many things. I wear many hats. Part of my job is to make sure that the foster parents are following state and county rules, also to be a support. So be that shoulder to cry on, be the sounding board when foster care gets really rough, which it does, um, when the kids are making me crazy, or even just be there to encourage and support in whatever way I can, letting you know you guys are doing an amazing job. Filing all the fun paperwork, keeping files on the kids, finding those resources for kids when they need certain and specific things, whether it's therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, and extracurriculars too. That's important as a kid to have sports to play or gymnastics or arts and crafts, things like that. I think the big thing that resonates with me is So our founder, Jan, something her and her husband would say was, keep your eye on the child if everything else will fall into place. And that is kind of how I see my role is you as the foster parent, keep your eye on the kid and I will make sure everything else is covered. It's great to hear that we have people like Nicole supporting kids in care and their families. I couldn't agree more with you. And Nicole has even physically shown up at our home during difficult times. And she's just been an incredible support. Kids Crossing has four locations across Colorado and Denver, Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and La Junta. Learn more at kidscrossing.com and tell them just a special sent you. Welcome to Just a Special, the place to learn more about foster care from diverse perspectives. I'm Natasha, a foster mom. And I'm Rachel, a mentor to kids in care. So today's episode is actually a continuation of our previous episode where we spoke with former kid in care, Diamond Kobolinski. So if you haven't already done so, we suggest going back and listening to that episode first called The Extra Intense Life of a Gay Kid in Foster Care. Yes. And you know, Diamond had so much good stuff to share that we couldn't fit it into just one episode. So today we want to focus in on Diamond's relationship that developed over time with each of his foster parents and how that was heavily influenced by an unexpected medical event, which Natasha, that's pretty similar to what happened with your first placement. True. Yes. I had to undergo a totally unexpected emergency surgery and had a really rough recovery. And that totally shifted the dynamic in our home when we were only a few months into fostering a teenage girl. And something very similar happened to Diamond's family shortly after he moved in. Here's Diamond talking about how his relationship with his adoptive parents, Amy and Jessica, developed over time. Our relationship definitely developed very differently. I think it's fluctuated over the years. In the very beginning, I think my connectedness was very equal to both of them. I think in the earlier stages, I think I've slowly developed a little bit closer of a bond to Amy. Um, and that was because um, about six months of me moving in, Amy had a stroke. And I thought I was going to lose her. When Amy had her stroke, I had been in Denver for the day and my phone had died. And then I got, I got it turned on and like immediately Jessica's call came through. 
I remember I was with my cousin in the car and she said she could just tell something was wrong because my face just went pale. It was at a point where like I had gotten attached that I just remember thinking, you know, just how unfair it was that I had finally found a family and now one of them was going to pass away. But being the first night and her being in critical condition, the hospital was only letting Jessica back. Um, and I just remember how thinking unfair it was like, that's my mother, you know, like I should be allowed to go back. I think at that moment I realized just how attached to Amy I was because I was generally upset that I could not go back. Like, you know, I, you know, and I think it created that in that moment, there was a little bit of tension between me and Jessica because I was like, you know, you're her spouse, but I'm her child. Like, you know, it was one of those things that it just, it didn't feel fair. But I mean, yeah, like I said, I think in that moment, I really realized the bond that I had already formed with Amy. That experience brought us very close. You know, I essentially felt like I, you know, became her protector, you know, like, are you okay? You know, why is your head hurting? We got very close because I was terrified that I was going to lose her. And then I think, you know, kind of as she came out of those recovery stages, um, she really wanted that independence. Um, and so I think at that point, I kind of, you know, I really attached to Jessica. Um, and that was because I needed to attach to somebody. But for Amy, that wasn't what she needed at the time. She really wanted to have that independence. Um, you know, I can do it. You know, she's always been very, you know, we call her Wonder Woman because she's always been very strong willed. You know, when she had her stroke, the doctors told her she'd be in the hospital a month. She got out in three weeks. They told her she'd go into a recovery center. She went home. So, you know, I understood it. And I really attached to Jessica at that point. And then, you know, I think that kind of, um, it got really complicated when I started dating. My attachment kind of got really crazy. Um, I attached to the person I was dating and my attachment to them kind of faded. And then we split up and my attachment to both of them really connected again. Now I'm just kind of at a point where, yeah, I mean, I'm really attached to both of them. So, you know, I think it's definitely changed throughout the years with different life events. But, you know, at the end of the day, I always have an attachment to them. I'm at a point in my life where I'm single and I'm not dating, um, and, you know, I think part of that is like I'm trying to figure out the dynamic of attaching to somebody you're dating while still having, you know, that attachment to your parents. Yeah, that's a lot. Like, that's yeah. a lot what you just said. There's so much to unpack there because one thing is I think sometimes foster parents, because I'm like on the other end of it, right, as a foster parent, I think sometimes I can look at a kid in my home and be like, oh, why aren't you attaching more to me or something? But you brought up a good point that sometimes it's like what you're like, it's the parent who is like they're needing the space or they're needing this or that. Mm -hmm. That's something I'm going to really be mulling over. That's that's really <laughs> interesting because I think sometimes like a foster parent can think it's like all the kid making those decisions mm -hmm. of how close they want to be. Yeah, because it's not always easy, right, to all come together. No. <laughs> yeah, and I guess too, sometimes when teens come to your home, I, I can sense that there's maybe like some confusion around like just the different roles of a family. And it's because it's not a given, mm -hmm. you know, like that's something you learn and... If you haven't learned it, you can't expect someone to just know it. Did you feel like you ever experienced that? Like, was there ever anything you had to kind of sort out of like, okay, like, I understand what the different roles are or like, you yeah. know, what's the boundaries between spouses versus kids or stuff like that? I think that line kind of blurred when we got my little brothers. I mean, you know, having been raised in foster care, I was so used to, you know, essentially caring for the littler kids. There are so many foster parents that do it for the right reasons, but there are also so many that do not. Um, and so, you know, as the older foster youth, you're left to care for the littler ones. Um, and that was definitely something that, you know, even in residentials, I think that was something that I really had to learn um, was that, you know, they're here to care for these kids um, and that's not your job. And so when we got my little brothers, I definitely had to learn to not, you know, be parent. <laughs> and even to this day, I still struggle with it sometimes. But it's just something that you're so used to in foster care of caring for the little ones, you know, in that when you're in foster care and you're an older kid, you're your own parent. You know, you're that adult. So then you have these littler ones who you feel obligated to care for. 
Um, so when you, like I said, when I found my parents and we got my little brothers, I really had to adjust to letting them be the parents um, and just kind of letting it brush off because it's no longer, you know, my issue to stress about. And it sounds like, you know, because you had lived what was like 15 or 16 years before, right? Mm -hmm. Meeting them. So you have all these habits, you know, that have really helped you survive and thrive in the environments that you were in. Like, what are some other ones that you felt like maybe habits that you had to kind of unlearn or maybe like shift a little bit in order to live in that family environment? Another hard thing was really um, like wholly, fully unpacking yourself. Um, you know, I think as a foster kid, you always are partially packed. You're ready to be on the go. Um, and that was something I had to learn was it's okay for me to you know sprawl things out, leave things around the house. You know, I don't need it all in one space because I'm not going to just have to up and go. Um, I think that was one that I really had a hard time with. And like I said, really circling back is Jessica and I got into it a lot about her buying me things. Um, like I used to, when I got my license, I used to go return things. Like it was because I was just so used to having like nothing. Um, you know, as a foster kid, as sad as it sounds, getting a $10 pair of Walmart shoes was amazing. So it was one of those things that, you know, when Jessica, you know, I think, you know, I'd be lying if I said secretly I didn't enjoy it. But at the same time, it was like, wait, I'm not supposed to have this much stuff, you know? Um, so that was another habit I had to unlearn was like, um, you know, they would buy me things then I would return them or I'd get rid of them. Um, and she'd be like, where did this go? Like, oh, I got rid of it. Like why? You know? And it was one of those things of as a foster kid, you learn, you know, really going back to that un fully unpacking yourself, you learn to only have so much. If you get too much, you get rid of it to make sure you're able to carry it. Um, and so it was really one of those things that those are the habits I think I had the hardest time on learning was, like I said, letting them be the parent, fully unpacking myself and letting them buy things and not getting rid of them. I think it was definitely, that was the biggest adjustment. I mean, being a kid, like it was, you know, you spend 15, 16 years of your life preparing to be an adult. Like I, I had to stop and be a kid. Like I, you know, I stopped and I went to high school. And I hung out with friends and I, you know, went and bought a gown for prom. Like, I just, I had to learn to do those normal things. Like, my very first prom I went to senior year, I went to like three. My mom makes fun of me because at like nine o'clock, I had taken the limo ride that I had won to prom. And then at like nine o'clock, I called my mom. They were at dinner. I was like, can you come get me? I'm ready for bed. And she was like, Diamond, it's nine o'clock on prom night. Like, you know, she <laughs> want to take the limo home. And I was like, no, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Those were things I had to learn was it's okay to stay up till midnight on a Friday. It's okay um, you know, to go hang out with friends. It's okay to make friends because you're not moving again. You know, um, my best friend to this day, Kaylee, that was something that I really had a hard time with. She had to push me to become friends with her because senior year, I was like, I'm not making friends. Like, there's no point. I always make friends, then I move. Um, but Kaylee was like, you're adopted, Diamond. Like, you're not going anywhere. You can be my friend. Um, and so it was just one of those things that, you know, really unlearning those habits of, you know, really keeping yourself ready to move, whether that be with belongings or friends or people you meet, those sorts of things. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, you went through a lot of life yeah, and a lot of it sounds like it wasn't very comfortable. So now, like, what are some of those things that you like really relish now? I love taking baths. You know, I never really had a childhood. And I think whether you're a child or not, baths are really great because, you know, for me, I think water is healing. You know, every night I take a bath, it's very detoxifying. I wash away my day, I relax. Um, you know, I think that's a big thing. Music, um, you know, you don't really get a lot of access to music and foster care. Um, so, you know, music is definitely, you know, every part of my day. Um, and then shopping, <laughs> you know, I think as a foster kid, you're so used to everybody picking everything out for you. Um, you know, you're used to, um, like I said, I remember like getting $10 pairs of Walmart shoes and being so excited and I have nothing against Walmart shoes, but like now, you know, like the bar is a little higher, right? You know, like and now that I can, like, you know, I mean, 
like it, it sounds horrible, but like now that I'm a CEO, if I want to go buy a pair of, you know, name brand shoes, I can. And so it's one of those things that I think like having had that lack of things throughout life, um, I like to do it. But, you know, it doesn't go without saying that, like, I love to give back. Like every time I go through Starbucks every morning, you know, I acknowledge that I'm, you know, blessed enough to be able to do that. So I always pay for the person behind me. So it's really that, you know, taking that experience that you went through and being able to pass it on to other people. I just remember how bad I felt in school. Like other kids made me feel so bad because they're like, I have parents, they have money. And I just remember feeling so crappy. Like, well, like, I'm glad you have parents, but why is it like, why do you have to rub it in that I don't, you know? Um, and so it was just one of those things that I think, you know, I definitely try to, um, I try to spoil myself. I think I definitely didn't give myself enough self-care while in foster care. So I try to spoil myself, but I also try to spoil other people. Um, you know, I go through that with my best friend of, you know, she was never raised in foster care, but I think naturally as humans, you know, that pride, like she's like, don't buy me anything. So like I try to go out of my way to buy her things. And so I think those are really things that I really try to relish in of just rewarding myself and acknowledging when I first started this job, I had such a hard time saying I was a CEO. And I think it's a lot that I'm only 20. Now I'm in a place where I can say it freely because I acknowledge that I went through a lot and I have a close friend who really helped me with that. And she said, Diamond, with everything that you went through, it's about time you get rewarded and you get something that you've worked so hard for. You know, and so that's what I tell people, you know, my best friend even, you know, is relish in your successes. Don't be prideful and don't gloat, but it's okay to be proud of yourself for where you've gone. So, and to use that to help others, you know, that's the main thing is, you know, acknowledge your successes, but use that to help others. We hope Diamond's story helps you better understand the kids in care in your own life or inspires you to get involved as a foster care volunteer, mentor, or parent. That's a wrap. And as always, thank you so much for listening. And special thank you to our guest, Diamond Kobolinski. As always, we love hearing from our listeners. Lori, 44, left us the following Apple podcast review. Showcasing foster care from so many perspectives is really an amazing idea. It's a subject that has so many stereotypes, but also so many different dimensions. I'm excited to learn more. If you've enjoyed the Just a Special podcast, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does a lot to help our show, especially as we are looking for sponsors to bring you another season filled with diverse foster care stories. Thanks to you and our other amazing listeners, we are now ranked in the top 10% of podcasts worldwide, and we've charted top 200 kids and family podcasts across the United States. Woohoo! <laughs> Woo! Yep, definitely we're celebrating that. And your reviews will help us climb the charts further to spread more foster care awareness so we can all work together to give kids in care a better tomorrow. And who knows, maybe we'll read your review in our next podcast episode. This season of Just as Special is brought to you by Kids Crossing, a private foster care agency created by foster parents for foster parents. So, Natasha, foster parenting is no walk in the park. But what do you think is one thing that makes it a lot easier? A home coordinator, hands down, is my answer. And I actually got the chance to sit down with my own home coordinator, Nicole Barnett, from Kids Crossing. And she shared how Kids Crossing supports their foster families. I absolutely love my job, the people that I work with, and the culture that we have at Kids Crossing. We are not just a child placement agency. We are so much more. You 
develop this relationship with your families and really get to know them on a deeper level. And you become almost an extension of the family. And you very much feel that coming from Kids Crossing as well. The support that, that Kids Crossing gives to families is more than just, oh, here, I'm going to, you know, make sure you're following the rules and we're going to file this paperwork. And great, we placed a kid in your home. It's, you know, around the holidays, we will do a huge holiday party and we will get, make sure that kids are getting gifts and make sure the family is supported as well. Um, this last year with COVID was pretty rough. And so we were sending like Grubhub gift cards. We were sending care packages from Amazon with arts and crafts and coloring books or puzzles or games to families to trying to find things that maybe didn't need a lot of parental support or supervision where the kids could just do it on their own to hopefully give a break. We support our families in so many ways throughout the year. When a family gets a placement, if they need assistance with clothing or shoes or anything like that, we have had so many amazing donors that have given us items that we can then pass along to the family. Clothing, like all of that stuff adds up. And so whatever we can do to help support our families, Kids Crossing is doing. Wow, that's truly a lot. I can see how that all adds up. Right. And I can tell you from personal experience that Kids Crossing is truly supportive of their foster parents as well as diverse foster families. So what are you waiting for? Kids Crossing has four locations across Colorado in Denver, Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and La Junta. Learn more at kidscrossing.com and tell them just a special sent you.